Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I want to start by saying to you, I, this message is so fantastic. It is so chock block full of revelation and impartation of what God wants to do in your life and your family and in the generations that you represent. And I pray that I preach it in a way that it needs to be preached. God help me. Because sometimes I feel like I'm a, a toddler with a Ferrari. <laughs> God gives me this incredible revelation. I'm like, oh, God, help me. I don't want to wreck it with my humanity. So I really want you to lean in. Oh, they're taking photos of me. <laughs> they usually never get good ones. I'm just saying. I'm, new. I'm usually never on the reel because I'm always doing something completely outlandish with my face. There we go. Let's see if that makes it. All right. So I'm going to start reading today. The title of my message is A Nefarious Spirit. And we're in quite a significant month as a church. I'm not sure if you know this, but Pastor Mike Connell, who many of you should know, but some of you who are newer to our church wouldn't know because he hasn't been able to come and travel back to our church during the COVID season. And that only just allowed him back in the country. And he's, he's actually our pastor. He pastors Pastor Jürgen and I. Every pastor, every person needs a pastor, and ours is Mike Connell. And he's going to be ministering at all our churches. Now, Mike Connell moves very powerfully in the ministry of deliverance, um, confronting ill, wicked spirits and casting them out. So he's going to be traveling to every single one of our campuses. So get ready. Get ready. Make sure you don't miss it, that you plan to be here. Because how many people would like to live with a greater level of freedom? How many people are sick of letting the devil rob from them and living oppressed? Well, well, we've, we've brought in an incredible man of God who is going to kickstart a move of God in our church as we go about getting freedom for ourselves and our church. So don't decide this is the month that you all of a sudden want to go and have a week to yourself. We, we just had... Um, Mike Connell at Salt Lake City, and I was talking to our campus pastors out there, Matt and Loren, and they said it was, like, sensational. Not only did things shift over people's lives, things shifted over the church, and things shifted over the city. So don't let the devil convince you that this is your time to go on a little solo trip to Cabo and write your feelings down in a journal. Come to church, get some freedom, and live free. So the title of my message this morning is A Nefarious Spirit, and I want to highlight to you a spirit that we see uh, illustrated in the Bible in a story in the New Testament that I'm going to go ahead and, and share that I find tries to embed itself into every household. And it's a spirit that works to infiltrate a household in order to bring calamity and then destroy the work that God wants to do within the individuals, but then also the legacies. So the term nefarious means this, criminal, evil, 
malicious, and sneaky. And, and that's the thing about this spirit that I'm going to highlight through this story. It's a sneaky spirit. And it tries to get its claws into every family in order to bring destruction instead of what Jesus wants to bring, which is life. So we're going to start reading from the book of Mark, chapter number six. And I'm going to start reading, my friends up the back there, from verse 14. I'm going to cut down the scripture. I think I I read a little too much scripture in the first service, so I I want to make sure that I do everything right. Second chance, okay? All right. It says this. King Herod, so Herod is, you know, he was the ruler at the time, and he he was not a good man. He was a weak leader, and you're going to see that. King Herod heard about this. What did he hear about? Jesus had gone about doing miracles. Jesus had entered the chat. And so demons were being cast out. The disciples had been empowered. And the world, as they knew it, was being turned upside down with the ministry of God's man. So King Herod hears about this. For Jesus had become well known. And some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. So Herod is living under a bit of guilt because there's a backstory. How many people know that there's always a backstory? So there's a backstory to this guilt that Herod is feeling and this paranoia. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had bound him and put him in prison. And he did this because of Herodias, his wife. Everybody look away, look away, look away. Don't look at your wife, man. <laughs> his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. Okay, so, so this is a scandalous affair. What had happened was this woman, Herodias, who was now married to Herod, had literally upgraded her husband, when she saw that her previous husband was uh, being lowered, his, his star was falling, but his brother, the other Herod star, was rising, she decided to take a move from the new housewives of the Old Testament, <laughs> and she was going to upgrade her man, because he's falling, he's rising, I'm, I'm moving over here. So what ended up happening was Herod took his brother's wife, she was now living with her brother's, her husband's brother, and they were living as man, of, man and wife, okay? So he did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married, and to scandal. For John had been saying to Herod, bro, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. What are you doing? You're the leader of a nation, You're the leader of an influential household and you're setting a precedent in the city that is not right and it's not godly. So then Herodias, the wife, nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled Yet he liked to listen to him. There was something about the John, John the Baptist that intrigued King Herod. And finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias came in, that is his stepdaughter, and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, this is Herod, ask for me 
anything you want and I'll give it to you. I have never seen the Macarena done with such poise and flair. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. Oh, my friends, it's a good moment to realize we have to be very careful with the vows we utter. And so Herodias' daughter, Salome was her name, went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? And Herodias responded, the head of John the Baptist. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Wow. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oath and his guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went and beheaded John in prison and brought back his head on a platter. He then presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. Now it's a diabolical, hedonistic scene in the palace. And yet we would think that, well, this would never happen in our time, in our day, let alone our, our homes, right? Well, let me tell you how this spirit works. This spirit is as alive and as ruthless and nefarious as the day we saw it outplayed in this story in Jesus's time. There is a spirit out there that wants to destroy your family. There is a spirit out there that wants to bring trouble to your household. And God is looking for men and women to stand up and take back the authority that Jesus died to give them when he made a public spectacle over his enemies, triumphing over them, over the cross, to have you stand in your authority as a man and woman of God and not tolerate the schemes of the devil anymore. Can somebody say amen? Somebody say amen. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to tell you how this nefarious spirit works to break down a household. And I just need to prepare you in advance. I never try to be offensive. However, I am a lot of the time. But I don't try. I, I'm a very nice person. I don't look for confrontation. But I ref, refuse to be politically correct when, when the collateral damage of that is broken lives and people wandering around in ignorance because nobody had the courage to tell them the truth. And, and when the truth comes to you, you've got to understand it doesn't come to condemn you. It comes to liberate you. It comes to show you a better way of doing things. So I'm going to show you the pattern of this ancient spirit and how it is trying to defile and break down households in our modern times. Let, let me tell you how it starts. Here's point number one. This spirit works through offense. Look at this in Mark 6, starting in verse 18. John had been telling Herod, it's against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So instead of receiving the truth, Herod and Herodias, the Bible says that Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. Offense will come to you and it is always the entry point of your household coming tumbling down and this nefarious spirit having its way in your family. And I know that people in church are sick, sick of hearing about offense, but it is the portal for every wicked thing that will take your family out. 
And Jesus said, did he not prophetically in Matthew chapter number 24, he said, in the last days, many will be offended and they will hate one another and they will betray one another unto death. The end game of offense, my friends, holds nothing but death and pain for you and for your family. And that's exactly what we see in this story. So the truth had come to Herod and Herodias, but instead of receiving the truth and allowing it to find her, she wanted to kill the truth teller. Instead of going, oh my gosh, the man of God has come. He truly is a man of God. He carries the word of God, the anointing of God, and he's coming with a message from God for me. Instead of receiving it, and letting it find her and letting it bring them both to repentance and starting on a journey of healing and restoration, she wanted to kill the truth teller. Isn't that how many of us act in our lives when, when truth finds us? Because truth, truth can be offensive. And in this picture, truth was offensive. John the Baptist was not some cute little package wrapped up in a velvet bow. He was a wild man wearing camel hair eating locusts and honey, and he came in thundering, telling him what time it is. As a pastor of over 30 years, excuse me, sorry, lots of talking over the last few weeks. The voice is going to hang in there in Jesus' name. As a pastor of over 30 years, if I've seen it once, I've seen it a thousand times. Truth comes to somebody and they will toss it out because of the packaging. Well, you didn't say it how I think you should say it. And when somebody brings me the truth, there has to be a full moon and it needs to be delivered by someone in a polka dot dress on a Thursday at 5.15, nay, 5.17 a.m., right? It's like they've got all these prerequisites, otherwise I'm not going to hear the truth that you're trying to tell me. And I've seen it so much. Truth will come to people, but they'll reject it because of the package. They'll reject it because of the messenger. Can you imagine if this couple had have received the word that the man of God was bringing and let it hit them? How the environment and the atmosphere in their palace, their home would have changed. And again, God doesn't bring us truth to condemn us and to grind our faces into the dirt. He brings us truth to free us. The Bible says that truth liberates. And sometimes truth has to penetrate through a hard shell before it can liberate. I remember such a time in my marriage where my husband needed to have a talk with me about something. Truth needed to come to my table. And I had said to him during previous arguments, if you ever want to tell me something, I need the message to come this way. I need you to not bring it up in the middle of a fight. I don't want to feel like I'm arguing with you and then you throw a truth grenade at me and I'm like, shock and awe. Like, you need to ease me in. That's why I haven't accepted it in the past year again because it hasn't come in the way I wish it would come. And so I said, now, if you want to bring something to me, wait until we're at peace, you know, when, when we're, at, you know, in harmony with one another and then gently bring it to me. He's like, okay, understood. So that's exactly what he does. We're at Starbucks, we're having a coffee, back when I went to Starbucks. And, um, and he said to me, hey, um, darling, I, there's something that I need to talk to you about. I'm like, yes, go on. And he said, well, well recently I've just really noticed that you've become really, really highly oversensitive. 
And it doesn't matter what I say, you're, you're picking holes in it. And you're not fun to be around. You've lost your joy, you've lost your spark. Like I find myself walking into the house like I'm treading on eggshells. Like what, you know, everything I do was gonna upset you or, and you just take everything the wrong way. He's like, I just need you to deal with this oversensitivity. You're just always so highly offended. Like I want my joyful, fun-loving, easygoing wife back. And I turn to him and I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> Have the audacity to say to me that I, I am overly sensitive. <laughs> I said, you need to take your word and you need to apply it to the man in the mirror, my friend. And like, again, he'd done everything right. Done everything right. He was literally the truth teller that came in the perfect message. No camel hair. No locusts, no honey, no wild man. He did it exactly as, I sell, as I'd asked, but I still rejected it. But here's the amazing thing about truth. You can reject the truth, but oh baby, will it find you? So then we jump in the car and we're driving home and I'm like, I know what I'll do. The silent treatment. That's a mature way to handle this. And so we jump into the car and we're heading home and I'm gonna make him pay with the silent treatment for daring address an issue in me. And so I'm like, well, I'm gonna turn up the CD in the CD stacker, back when CDs were a thing. And I had Joyce Meyer in there. I kid you not. I kid you not, it was literally an angel of the Lord and I think the Holy Ghost was laughing in the back seat. Because as I, I turn up that volume button, I hear that old familiar voice of Joyce. <clears throat> Well, there are uh, women out there, and uh, I have a message from the Lord for you today. I just feel like you're just overly sensitive, and <laughs> you're making your husband's tread on eggshells, and I just hear the Lord telling me to tell you you need to calm down, and you need to repent, and you need to stop making that man's life miserable. I mean, I have never turned a knob in the opposite direction so fast. That's the thing. Herodias had the voice of truth silenced in her home, but you can't silence truth. It's coming for you. So we're best off receiving it. Can I ask you that question today so the enemy, this nefarious spirit, doesn't get a hold in your household? When truth comes to you, let it find a willing recipient. Don't toss it out because the person who said it should have said it this way and not that way. What's the meat? What's the meat? Spit out the bones, but take the meat. You know, there's a story in the Bible of a man in the book of Acts chapter number eight, and he's referred to as Simon the Sorcerer, which I, which I think is kind of unfair. If you're going to be in the Bible and you repent and ended up being a good guy, you don't want to be known in the best-selling book of all time as Simon the Sorcerer, right? It's like the woman caught in adultery. Did she have a life after that? <laughs> Could we get a little bit better with our labeling? However, I digress. So Simon the sorcerer is following Peter around and he's, you know, he's hungry for God. Comes from a broken background. He's been involved in witchcraft and he's watching Peter and the disciples do all these amazing things. And he comes up to them and he's like, oh my gosh, can I buy? How much money do I need to, to give you in order to buy what you have? This is incredible. And Peter turns around quite like John the Baptist and tells him what time it is. And he says, do you think that with all your money, you can buy even an ounce of what we carry. 
He said, you're, you're a sinful man with bitterness in your heart. And if you don't repent and turn from God, things are not going to go well for you. But you know what Simon didn't do? He didn't go, well, I, well, I never. I think I'm changing religions. I was hungry for God. But because I walked in here and the truth came to me in somewhat of an offensive manner, out I go, I think I'll try Buddhism. No, the Bible says that Simon submitted himself to Peter even after such a harsh rebuke and said, please pray for me. I repent that what you have said would not happen to me. Can we, can we be bigger people? This is how this nefarious spirit creeps in. And we've seen it all through America and the households of America. Fence, offense is the portal for all the enemy's dirtiest tricks. We've got to be smarter than the devil. And, and if we want the preachers to shut up talking about offense, then we've got to get better at dealing with it. Because at the root of every person who has walked themselves out of church is an issue that they have not dealt with with the Holy Ghost that relates to an offence in their heart over what somebody did, didn't do or said or didn't say to them. We've got to get so much better, my friends. Don't be like me and have to have Joyce Meyer publicly rebuke you in front of the husband that you're trying to chastise because he was trying to chastise you. Don't let this spirit get to you. And it's interesting that Herodias was looking for an opportunity but she wasn't able until her husband came into agreement with it. Don't agree with offence. Don't agree with offence. Hand it to the Lord. And, and I know that some offences are genuine, but if you allow that offence to embitter you, it will not bear any good fruit in your life. And that's what we see in this story. But without an agreement, this spirit is powerless. It says that Herodias was powerless to do anything about it until her husband came into agreement. Don't agree with offense. Can I take it one step further? If you're a leader of a family and your kids or your husband or your wife comes in and they're piping off, sure, let them vent for a minute, but then bring them back to the Lord. Bring them back to, to healing. Bring them back to forgiveness. Bring them back to the cross. Bring them back to what the Bible says. Don't agree with offense. Agree with God. Agree with truth. Can somebody say amen? King David said it this way in Psalm 141. He said, let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. Oh, how far we've fallen, America and the nations of the earth, that we no longer see a rebuke that can sometimes feel like a strike as a kindness. We take it as an offense. And as a result, we have fractured Christians all over the world who can't walk in unity, whose families are busted up and whose kids don't want anything to do with God or church because we can't get this right. This nefarious spirit is a household spirit and we've got to be smarter than the devil. Jesus paid a great price for you and I to have authority over every ill spirit. Stop pandering to and tolerating the access point that the devil uses to mess up your life. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen and I will drink to that. <laughs> so let's see the regression that happens next. When we have an undealt with offense that we haven't brought to the Lord, that we haven't allowed truth to come in and say yes or no, this, is, this, this applies to you or it does not. If we don't deal with that offense, 
we end up moving into a place called vengeance, and that's what we see. The second thought, this spirit will have you using the people you love to hurt the people you hate. When you become so offended and so obsessed with revenge, you end up using the people that you are meant to love in order to hurt the people that you hate. Explain, Leanne. Okay, I'm, I will. I'm getting on it. Look at this. It says that during the birthday party that Salome, Herodias' daughter, came in and she danced. And it's so pleased King Herod that he, he said to her, up to half my kingdom I'll give you. Now, this was an opportunity perhaps for this young girl Salome to make some wealth of her own. But her mother was so embittered and so wanted to kill the truth teller that she said to her daughter Salome, whose name means peace. This woman had, this young girl had no dog in the fight. She was just dancing. She was just enjoying her gift and, and displaying the, the wonderful things that she'd learned in dance class. And then all of a sudden, her mother used this innocent girl whose name meant peace in order to exact vengeance on a man she hated. Have we not seen this in households around America and around the world? When a marriage ends or there's an altercation of some kind, all, all bets go out the window and we will use anything within our grasp in order to hurt the one who hurt us. I remember a, a couple that I knew many years ago and they were involved in a very, very nasty divorce. Offence, of course, was, was the instigator. But they both became embittered. They had two children and they used both those kids as pawns to hurt one another. My friends, it's a great wickedness. And, and make no mistake, it is a nefarious spirit. It's the devil working like a puppeteer behind the scenes. There's a famous story in American history about uh, two feuding families called the Hatfields and McCoys. Do you know how that feud started? It was a four decades long, an entire generation, 40 years, four decades long feud that started over someone accusing the other person of stealing a hog. An offence. 40 years. 40 years pass. They still hate each other. 12 people from each family died in battle over a pig. Now, some of the people that died fighting weren't even around for the original offence. But here's what happened. They sat around the dinner table. Oh, those Hatfields. Oh, those Hatfields. He, he stole my prize pig. And over here, oh, those McCoys. Oh, those McCoys. They promised me that pig fair and square. And so we took it for ourselves. And they're passing this toxicity. And these poor old kids are just growing up, wanting to be farmers, live their best life, play, have fun. Uh, indoctrinated every evening at the dinner table. They don't know why they hate the Hatfields. They don't know why they hate the McCoys. That's just how they were trained. Wow. What is happening in the Middle East right now, America? This same spirit. And we use the people that we love to hurt the people we hate. It shouldn't be this way. It's a nefarious spirit and it wants to bust your family in two, but we got to be smarter than the devil. The Lord has empowered you to live bigger, stronger, more mature, live above the offences and instead impute good things to our children. Leave behind a, a lasting legacy. I thank God for my parents. They, they never, I never heard them gossip. Never heard them gossip. They were good-spirited people. It wasn't until I had my own experiences 
in life that I realized, well, people aren't all that I originally thought they were cracked up to be. <laughs> you know, but, but my parents never pushed me into a swamp of their own experiences. They didn't come home after church and have the pastor and the leadership team at the church um, for, for dinner in all the worst ways, like roasting them at the dinner table. Like, they didn't disparage the teachers and the authorities at school. They didn't teach me to hate one particular nationality of people. They didn't pass on the stories of their offense. The stories that happen around my dinner table and the reason that I feel like I'm a relatively healthy, free, unembittered person was because my parents, my parents didn't slime me with things that I, I was not able to process correctly. They let me have my own experiences. They let me experience life and then counseled me in it to always look to God, to always be someone who had a soft heart, who forgave people. And even when that person wasn't kind, back to be kind anyway, to, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ as my mandate. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who, who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then you will be perfect, like your Father in heaven is perfect. You, you will have a better worldview and your kids will have a much more peaceful, less anxious life. If you make a decision that you're going to speak life and build people up in your home instead of tear them down. And I think this old adage that we can sometimes toss out because it seems, you know, old, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Like maybe we could put that on a T-shirt. Maybe that could be the tattoo the millennials start getting. That would that'd change, change the world. I want to I also just bring in this thought. In my historical research, as I looked at the life of this young girl, Salome, who was used as an accomplice to kill a man of God, make no mistake, this woman made her innocent daughter, whose name meant peace, who just wanted to dance, an accomplice to the death of God's man, changing her legacy forever. And if you read about the story of Salome, she ended up getting married and... She ended up then losing her life as she slipped into the ice in a river, an icy river. She fell through and she was frozen up to her neck and her head fell off. There's an old Jewish proverb and the Bible actually quotes it too. It says, when the parents eat sour grapes, the children are left with a sour taste. Be very, very careful. What runs in fathers, what walks in fathers runs in children. What are you sowing into the next generation? What bitterness are you imputing? What feuds are you carrying on? What hatred are you putting on them? How are you using them to exact vengeance against someone that hurt you that they don't even have anything to do with or, or they have no beef with? We've got to be smarter than that. Amen, Leanne. <laughs> This is good. Now, really, if you take this, this is going to change your life, especially those who have um, are maybe on a second marriage or have had a, um, a difficult relationship with a former spouse. Don't use your kids as the meat in the sandwich. That's so cruel. Don't speak badly. Even if, there are, even if your ex-husband or your ex-wife isn't a good person, let your children figure it out on their own. And when they come and, and share their experiences, say, well, let's pray. 
Let's believe God that things are going to shift because I want things to be so much better for you. Point them to the positive. Point them to life. Point them to Christ. Point them to the Redeemer instead of pointing them to the negativity that wants to destroy families. Yeah, it is good. It's very good. Don't use your kids to do your dirty work. Bring it to the Lord. Let him heal you. So this spirit will have you using the people you love to hurt the people you hate, and that's exactly what Herodias did. And it's a spirit that is really trying to destroy households all across America today. And then finally, and I'm going to ask the band to come because I, I really want to drive this part home because that's not the end of the story. There's a final point, and this is where I want to commission us, you and I, as leaders in our community and leaders in our households. The third thought, this spirit needs a hero to confront it and cast it out. Can I speak specifically to the men? This is where I'm not going to be politically correct, okay? So get ready. If you stand up and leave, just at least pretend you're going to the bathroom <laughs> to spare my feelings, okay? <laughs> men, we need you to be leaders in the home. One of the greatest laments for me, being the leader of our cherished women, is there are a lot of women who I have interactions with who wish, who aren't Herodias's, who aren't Jezebel's, but have had to rise up in leadership in their homes by default because their husbands are weak. And what we see here in this story of Herod and Herodias was Herod was a weak king. He was a weak leader. Instead of challenging the spirits that were trying to break down his palace, his family, he pandered to them. And the Bible tells us that because of the oath he made, he didn't want to embarrass himself in front of the people, so he had truth executed. What? You're the king. You are the big dog. There's no one bigger or badder than you. Like, you can't just say, yeah, you know what? We're not doing that. The Bible says that Herod knew he was a man of God. He knew he was a righteous man. He knew he was a holy man. And yet, because he was weak, because he didn't stand up in his family. He tolerated this witchcraft instead of saying, we're not doing that. That's not how it's going to look in this household. Men of America, men of San Diego, would you stand in this hour and become the heroes that your families need? Don't roll it onto your wife. Oh, it's all well and good to call her the weaker vessel on days that it suits you, but why don't you stand up? Fight for your family. Contest the spirit. Warfare for your family. Warfare for your children. Don't let offense land. Don't let a vengeful spirit have you hurting the ones that you love, that you're meant to steward and look after. Oh, I couldn't say anything because I said in front of all my mates that she could have anything she wanted. Well, change your mind, Herod. Don't kill truth. Lead your family. How different would America look if men of God stopped rolling over onto their wives and when they stand up in a little bit of strength, call them a Jezebel, instead become the leader of your family. Lead your family. Do you know how hard it is for the women I talk to who have to drag their husbands to church? They have to come like looking like they've, you know, baptized in vinegar and lost their last friend. Like a wounded soldier coming back from war. <laughs> Emerge, why would I want to go to emerge? The prayer meeting, why would I want to? <gasps> Come on, America. 
There is a nefarious spirit that is trying to break the households of our nation, and we can't have it, we can't have it, we can't have it. We need men to rise. We need men to rise in their authority and drive out and cast out what is trying to break down households. Oh, well, I'm just trying to be loyal to my wife. I'm just trying to be loyal. Listen, when loyalty is tethered to unrighteousness, it ceases to be loyal. It's not loyalty anymore. Well, I'm just trying to be loving. I'm just letting this happen. I'm just trying to be loving and keep the peace. Yeah, you know what? Herod tried to keep the peace by doing what his wife said when he knew in his heart he shouldn't. And you know what it ended up costing him? His mind. He went crazy. He went crazy and was driven out into the desert and died a babbling fool. That's not what we want for you, men. The devil will try to intoxicate you and lull you into this lullaby while all the worst spirits in the world come and have a party at their own, at your family's expense in your household. When's it gonna be enough? How long do we have to tolerate this? Now, what did Jesus say to the angel in the church of Thyresia in Revelation chapter two? He said, you've done all these great things, awakened church. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. What are you tolerating in your households, men? Because, you know, we preach men should stand up and lead. But I tell you what, then you're gonna have to find some courage. You're gonna have to be unlike Herod, whose name ironically means hero, and yet he was no hero. He was positioned in that palace to be a hero, and yet he was no hero. He let those spirits have a party with his family, and in the end, it cost them everything, not only his stepdaughter's life, but his own sanity, and then also the crumbling of that nation. It's time, it's time, it's time. I'd love it if you'd stand to your feet. This spirit is a nefarious household spirit that is at work in the nations of the earth. And what it needs is a hero to confront it and cast it out. Men, we're gonna need you to get your spiritual big boy pants on. So when men's prayer is happening, you're there. If you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit and start to pray in tongues and warfare in and for your family. Don't tolerate Jezebel. Don't go, well, I just want to keep the peace. I just want to keep the peace. Well, Herod ended up losing his peace because he didn't confront the spirits that were trying to bring his family down. So it's enough now. So when your wife comes home and she's full of bitterness because someone didn't look at it the right way or she didn't get invited to the party, like, do what Jürgen did to me. Leanne, we're not doing this. No, this is not how we behave here. She may have been unkind and overlooked you, but we're not, not gonna go to church because someone was mean. Because otherwise we'll walk ourselves out of every church because there's mean people everywhere, right? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying today? I'm saying we need some men with some courage. And, and I'm telling you, not every woman, not even close to even half or even a percentage of women has the spirit of Herodias, but every single woman wants a hero in her household. She may not know it, but she does. She wants you to lead her. Oh, she may struggle at first. I tell you what, I would have so many fights with Pastor Jürgen. I know, I don't, you're mean to me. And then I would realize, well, my life's really awesome. Thank you for being mean to me. I, thank you for actually telling me the truth, even when I didn't want to hear it. Like there are so many times when I read these stories, I'm like, thank you. 
or when I look at other women who follow all the footsteps of Herodias and the husband just tolerates it and their, their life's a mess and I'm like, the power is in your hands. Be more like Jürgen. Be like Pastor Jürgen, even though I hated it when he did it to me. Eventually, I got in line and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, hurts so good. Hurts so good. This hurt, this pain equates to good in our life and our family. Man, will you receive the word of the Lord today? Will you receive it? Will you receive your assignment from heaven? Too many sons and daughters walking through this earth, not living in the authority that, that Jesus died to give them. He made a public spectacle of all these spirits. You don't have to plead with God. You don't have to ask Him for a weapon. He's given you one. He's given you a whole armor and the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. Are you putting it to use? Right now we're having conversations with friends in Israel who, you know, they're finding themselves in such a crisis and they've actually run out of uniforms. In God's army, there's a, there is an abundant supply of uniforms and armory and swords and shields. So if you're living in defeat, it's not because God hasn't prepared you and resourced you. It's because you're either ignorant or, or you haven't yet stepped into your authority as a believer and you don't realize that when you walk through your home, you walk through as a hero. You walk through as a hero. You can vanquish every devil, bring down every tyrant and slay every dragon. What does the world need now? It needs heroes to rise. It needs heroes to rise. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for your word. Father, we receive your word with gladness. Lord God, let it hit us where it needs to hit us. Where we need to change, let us change. Where we need to repent, let us repent. Father, where we need to hear the truth, let us hear the truth. Father, I thank you for this army of men and women today. God bless them. Thank you that they've been empowered with power from on high. And Father, that you are with them. You are the third fold cord in every home in this room today. We are not alone. You walk with us, you fight with us, you stand with us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.